Everyday Sublime, Shedding Light on Yin Yoga and Meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers, and I'm a Yin Yoga and Meditation teacher and trainer, as well as a licensed acupuncturist. This episode is part two of a three-part conversation with Dr. Daniel Keown. Dan here begins by connecting the development of the channels of Chinese medicine to our evolutionary past as jellyfish. That's pretty cool. I'll include a link to his YouTube channel where he describes us with some images, and these help explain the theory. But this is truly a fascinating way of considering the channels of Chinese medicine. In this podcast, he then goes on to give an explanation and definition of qi, and describes its role in keeping all of our trillions of cells connected to each other. Now, as enthusiasts of yin yoga, I do hope to hear from you about these episodes, Dan has agreed to come back on in a few months for a follow-up series, and I welcome your questions to help shape the scope of that future interview. So listen closely and do send me your follow-up questions. You can send them to josh at joshsummers.net. Again, you can send any questions about the podcast or for the podcast to josh at joshsummers.net. Now, before we begin, I just want to take a moment and thank all the people that have been supporting the podcast by sharing podcasts either to their friends or to like-minded colleagues. As a free podcast, really the best exchange of value for value here, and and also the best way to support all the guests that come on to the podcast. The best way you can support them is by expanding the reach of interest in the podcast itself, where this will inform an audience about the materials, the books, and the authors and teachers presented here. So thank you for sharing, and If you're listening and appreciating what you hear, please don't hesitate to share if you haven't. Just a few clicks of the mouse goes a long way to help keep me doing what I'm doing in service of broadening our understanding of yin yoga, Chinese medicine, and meditation. Now, without further ado, I once again bring you Dr. Daniel Keown. One of the things that you've written about in both of your books is the relationship between embryological development and the development of these fascial planes within which the channels are located, right? Yeah, yeah. So is there a simple way you could talk through that? Because that, that to me, I don't even think many acupuncturists are aware of the simplicity of that that kind of way of understanding it yeah so so basically um i mean interestingly in the sparking machine i approach it from an embryological point of view in this book i i take it from uh almost like an evolutionary point of view in other words a functional why why did our bodies develop in this way so i looked so i when i started writing this book i looked um i started thinking about the body and thinking well um, we all, you know, I, I personally believe in some form of evolution, you know, that we've all kind of developed out of things. Some people don't, but, but I don't see why people have a problem with it, really, because I don't think it means that God doesn't exist or anything. It just means that God, um, God likes, you know, having a bit of fun. 
um, possibly. Anyway, we won't go into that. But um, so when I started thinking about what what is the where did we come from? I, I kind of naturally ended up at jellyfish. Um, and I think it was because of our the way we reproduce. It looked very similar to the way in which jellyfish reproduced. And so I started building this, this book around the idea that if you can understand how a jellyfish works, yeah, then you can start to understand how higher animals also work. Um, and it's all about planes. Yeah, a jellyfish basically has three planes. It has a, an inside, which is composed of effectively exactly the same cells as our inside, endoderm, has an outside, which are composed of exactly the same cells of our outside, which is ectoderm. And then it has an, a middle bit, which is called a mesoglea in jellyfish. And it's just like a jelly. In fact, it's fascia, basically. It's collagen and water. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's basically like fascia in the middle. Um, and then... Uh, and then, Can I just pause you for one second? Because I did find that there was one of those moments when I was reading the book that uh, it kind of had this sort of, oh, that's really, really interesting. Because when you talked about the, the jelly bit in a jellyfish being, you know, water and, and collagen and probably some other like uh, ground substance type materials. Um, yeah, yeah. And in the transition out of the ocean into onto land, how the ratio of those representative materials changes. There's much less water and a lot more collagen. And I think the way you described it was that the, you know, the collagen was required to, to um, resist the, the force of gravity. Yeah, well, well, in, well that actually, to resist it, you, you need bones more right. than anything. That, then, then you get, get cross-linking of the collagen. So the collagen allows you to create... Um, much more propulsive power. Now, I'm not an evolutionary scientist, so I, um, I, I might not be completely correct on this, but as far as I understand, you know, collagen and cartilage, what that allows you to do then is attach muscles to, to these things, and then, and then you can create more power. You know, a jelly, obviously, you can't push or pull against anything within a jelly. You know, all the jelly can do is that, you know. And, and so, and then when, when the when animals in the ocean, they don't need to resist gravity. And then when they go onto land, they need to resist gravity. So that collagen needs to become stiffer. And what happens then is the, the collagen is cross-linked with things called hydroxyapatite crystals, which are like, it makes bone, basically. <laughs> it's bone, you make bone. But the, the jellyfish, so the jellyfish has these three layers, an inside and, uh, and outside in the middle, as do we. And our inside splits into four, effectively. You, you end up with four layers. But these layers are become the acupuncture channels. Now, <clears throat> the, boundary, the boundary between the cells, so the, uh, in the jellyfish, you have a, a layer on the outside of ectoderm, and then you have a middle, and then you have an inner one. And those boundaries is where the kind of the channels would be. It, it, I, I mean, I don't know if... Kind of jellyfish because I don't know if jellyfish have acupuncture points. I mean, almost a good title of the uh, the podcast in a way, isn't it? Do jellyfish have acupuncture points? <laughs> I don't know if they do, but they have chi. They definitely have chi. Well, you know, and maybe we're going to get in a little ahead of ourselves, but um, one of the things I've liked about the way you describe the role of an, the function of an acupuncture point is that it helps navigate 
points of transition in the organism where this the conductance of energy through the channel can become you know problematic stagnant blocked congested etc and and so you know those and in in vertebrae in in humans those um those points are located at, oftentimes at joints joint sites yes. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so a lot of the, yeah. the acupuncture points are, and the jellyfish, presumably, I mean, they don't really have joints. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just... yeah but they have a lot, they have a lot less. Um, I mean, this is a really interesting question. What, what do the acupuncture points actually do? Because and one of the ways I ask that or answer that question is to say, well, what happens when you lose acupuncture points? So in other words, what happens if you lose your arms or, or if they're not even grown in the first place with thalidomide? I had, I had to look that up when I was reading the book. Thalidomide, that's a, it, was a, it was a sleepy medication given to women in the 60s that yeah. caused all sorts of birth defects. I, I wasn't aware of that until, until I read it today. But so, yeah, so missing limbs, basically. Missing limbs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So these people have, um, no, you know, sometimes born with no limbs, sometimes, you know, amputees will lose their limbs. And as far as we can tell, you know, their organ function doesn't deteriorate uh, directly anyway. I mean, sure. I'm sure losing limbs isn't particularly healthy for your organs. Um, so then it's like, well, what what are the acupuncture points actually doing in terms of um, affecting the organs? And, and the way I understand it is that the the most important thing for, and this goes back to the embryology, the most important thing for the organism is to stay connected. When your body's growing as a, as a, uh, it starts as a single cell and it divides and divides and divides and it divides and it's got to stay connected. It's got to. Those cells, all of the cells in your body, yeah, even now, all my cells have to know what they're doing in relation to the body. Yeah, and, and what happens if they lose sight of what they're doing and they can start reproducing on their own, multiplying on their own, and then you get cancer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they have to they have to stay connected. Now, when when the body's growing in the embryo, that um, that growth is really strong, really powerful, and it's occurring at a fantastic rate. And, and so the thing that keeps them connected is chi want of a better word it's it's not it's not so much that um oh it must be it must be chi it's it's more that there must be an energy that's doing this and this energy can even be seen uh you can uh the scientists now are starting to video electrical currents flowing in developing embryos and and that's what the chi is it's keeping everything in the embryo connected and um, so when it comes to the acupuncture points, the chi is just flowing out from the organs down the channels, just as a kind of function of the organism to keep everything connected. And it tends to flow down these pathways of least resistance, which is why, for instance, the heart channel just simply follows the arteries. Of, that's, that's, why, that's why the heart channel goes the way it does. It's just following the axillary artery, brachial artery, ulnar artery to the little finger. And, um, but, and so, but just to be clear, it's not in the artery itself. It's it, in parallel. I, oh, the, yeah. Good question. Yeah. Uh, but in my opinion, it was, it's just there's the arteries actually have three layers to them. Um, so my I think it's just on the outside of the artery, the actual channel. <laughs> I think 
I've actually seen somebody killed. Well, I didn't see directly killed, but I've seen some. I, I've, they've seen the spark in the machine. Yeah, I actually want to have you get into some of the anecdotes you see in the emergency room because I think these, yeah. these, these are kind of interesting and chilling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Certain yeah. degree. I mean, people don't believe this one actually about like the the person. I, I told it last place I was working, and everyone was just like a bit shocked and didn't believe it. But it's, it's as you know, my grandmother's grave. It's true, and um. So this uh, this junior doctor came to me and said, um, oh, you know, this patient's got lung cancer. So they were really sick anyway, lung cancer, and um, they've got a bit of fluid on their lungs. Um, and their they're, um, they're SATs are 85%, which is pretty low. But he was probably like this for weeks, you know, months. And he was dying. Um, and she said, oh, should I do blood gas? And I said, well, there's... There's no point, really, because it's not going to change what we do. You know, um, he's already on oxygen. You know, it's not going to change anything, you know. Um, so, and which is a good reason not to do a test. If, if the test won't change anything, there's no point doing the test. Uh, you, effectively, a medical test, what you're really doing is ask, asking a question. You, you're asking a question to the test, and the mm -hmm. test should then give you an answer. Um, it's a value. And, uh, so... Uh, so they, they, she went and did it anyway because she was um, petrified that she'd get in trouble from the admitting doctors that they'd said, why didn't you do a blood gas? Because his sats were low. And then, like, so five minutes later, I hear this arrest call. And so I was the senior doctor on. So I go to the arrest and I hadn't seen this guy, actually. I didn't, I hadn't actually seen him. And, um, but I saw the girl straight away and it was, she said that the moment she put the needle in and got blood back out of the artery, because he was attached to an ECG. She said the moment she saw the blood coming out, the, the line on the ECG just went, ding, hmm. complete flat line. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, no, I and, guess... And he was like, so he was like, basically, he was, he was dead. There was nothing we could do. It's like, that's the worst rhythm, flat line. And then, but the, the reason why that was so... so um lethal in this case was because yeah. because of the point the acupuncture point that was proximal what? to that to that area that she drew the blood right well well the arteries are actually the heart channel again you remember i said that everything is much simpler it's so simple yeah. it's so simple man the art the heart yeah what channels leave the heart well it's just one the aorta well you've got a pulmonary artery as well but um, you've got the aorta coming out there. It's this big channel coming out. Again, the use of the word channel is just so much easier. And it splits. One goes up here, the carotid splits, goes into the brain and goes into the face and then merges in the, in the eye. And this is the exact description given of the, um, the accessory heart channel mm -hmm. within the classics of Chinese medicine. They don't call it the artery, which is a shame because it would have clarified things. But it's it's the artery. And then the main channel just follows the axillary artery, brachial artery, ulnar artery, down to the little finger. So so when they put a needle into the artery to take blood, that was the heart channel. And they extracted a little bit of blood, but they also extracted a bit of chi. Oh, you know, I don't, this, is, this, this is a little bit of maybe acupuncture, fine-tuning, or fine, fine details. I thought in the story, it was in the book, it was, it was on the lung meridian. 
Yes, it is. It was long nine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good point. It is on the long reading. But but again, so yeah, no, that's a very good point. So this this is the thing. So even though it's on the lung channel, the artery, as I've just explained, the arteries are the heart channel. Right. So so that's why that's why even though any artery, especially above the chest, any artery is the heart channel. Mm. It's, it's all it's all simple. Yeah. If it's an artery, <laughs> it's physically connected to the heart. It's the heart channel. <laughs> Below the chest, it becomes the Chong Mai. Right. So it's a little bit more complex. Below yeah. the chest. Because basically, the chi dynamics change. So, so yes, you are absolutely right. It was on lung, because that's where you take blood. You take it from here. Yeah. Which is lung, around lung nine. And lung nine is also called the master uh, point of the blood vessels. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's why. Th that's why I thought it was it was quite interesting, but I don't want to lose the non acupuncturists in the audience. Let, let, um, let, let me see if we can come back to now trying to maybe unpack the concept of chi, because and, and just to review a little bit, we have channels that are in the space between fascial planes, all and there's yeah in, in your model like six big six big channels. Um, which yeah. often get divided into 12 or, or multiplied into 12 because there's six for the upper body, six for the lower body. Um, what is between these channels on a, on, a, on a biological level? Yeah. Yeah, so, so the most, as I explained, the most important thing, um, which is accepted within embryological science, the most important thing is the body has to stay connected. And the big question that embryological science has been asking for over 100 years now and has kind of got close but never really quite answered it is how does this organization occur yeah how, how does the embryo organize itself into a body because you start with one cell you end up with 100 trillion now i mean i struggle to organize my family and there's five of us so and a country of 50 million appears unorganizable but a, a a body is 100 trillion cells. So how does that stay organized? Now, what science has shown is that there, about 70 years ago, this guy showed that there was particular areas that were called organizing centers that kind of oversaw the organization. And then they found there were these chemicals that moved in the body, in the spaces between cells, um, and that they controlled the organization. And now what's being found is that actually this the the thing that is organizing all of this is like an electrical force. So so to to really understand what chi is, you you have to you have to understand the profundity of the question, how does the embryo self-organize? Yeah, where does self-organization come from? Yeah. And if unless you understand how deep and profound that question is. Because that is that is the key question in embryology. Now, if it's the key question in embryology, that means it's the key question in the entirety of health. Now, because, is there is there a kind of more reductionistic, uh, conventional answer to that question? How this how does the body organize? How does the, no. how do the cells organize? No, no. Basically, it just keeps falling flat. They keep trying to find a, a kind of reductionist answer to it, and it keeps it keeps falling flat on its face because. I mean, you, you've got to you've got to kind of understand how effing amazing this process is. <laughs> you know, our, our puny human minds compared to—I mean, think about it. It was 
how old's the earth you know so say it's 600 million years old or whatever six billion um and evolution's been going for 600 million years and it's it's basically if you imagine the earth was like a laboratory experiment the size of the earth <laughs> with all these creatures like you know as part of this experiment have you ever read hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy not in a long time but Yes. All right. Well, well, you know, you, you know that there's a subplot in that about the Earth is actually a computer program. Yes. Yeah. Right. And and the mice are in charge. Yeah. So so you know, in a way, it's kind of it's not not a million miles away. So so if you imagine that going on for six hundred million years, and and eventually after that, you get to a point where like you've got this this cellular organism, in other words, us that we can reproduce and self form and extract everything it wants from the environment. Yeah. And it can do all of this from one cell that just divides, remembers exactly what it's supposed to do, and then just divides, divides, divides and makes a new person. Yeah. And so the idea that we can like us, our puny minds can just go, oh, yeah, it's all, you know, because of this or that. Sometimes things are actually just bigger than, than we can really understand. And, and that's where basically this force that's driving it we can we can map it we can see it we can um describe it's how it moves the channels um and we can we can even see that it gets concentrated in areas what are called organizing centers in embryology mm. but but then we just start to fall down in understanding it because it's just so it's mystical it's, it's a mystical force you've, you've used the word electricity a few times in conjunction yeah. with this force in in yeah, yeah and this yeah, is where yeah. i like you know i kind of wonder in your particular unique role as the the western scientist western doctor and a chinese medical practitioner um does that word get you in trouble in either camp to refer to this this electrical current because and it's a very mu small amount of electrical current going through the channels if i'm not oh yeah yeah tiny tiny yeah but, unbelievably tiny. Yeah. i mean and well there was a guy called becker who who tried to measure it like and did really amazing research on salamanders and regeneration you know 50 years ago he wrote a book he's dead now actually ro becker the body electric i think it's on my shelf actually somewhere and um so he he was measuring these currents in salamanders and they were just incredibly tiny currents like um you know kind of pico volts or whatever just really tiny and one of your youtube videos you have you have footage of embryology of a frog right developing yes. and that's showing yeah. these 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 flashes of electric electrical current moving through yes. to help organize the face of the frog if i'm not mistaken yeah now the interesting thing is so the thing is the electricity it is it is electricity that's that's doing this, but it's electricity with information attached. And that's that's the so, thing. So, yeah, so, yeah, that's the thing. Exactly, that's the thing. It's not it's not just dumb electricity. It's not like, you know, otherwise you could just be like, which you can do in cardioversion. But apart from in cardioversion, you can't just say to somebody, "Oh, your cheese a bit low." Just stick your finger into the plug socket and <laughs> just give yourself a boost. <laughs> You know, because it's it's got information attached to it, and in fact, in cardioversion, with, which is um, which is what's cardioversion? Oh, cardioversion is is um, where you give shocks. You ah, know. paddles. Yeah, 
yeah paddles and um so when you do that you uh you actually you do attach um you do synchronize shocking as well which effectively is attaching so you can just do dumb cardioversion when someone's dead just give them a shock yeah you, you try and effectively try and restart the heart that way but if they're almost dead and you just want to get their rhythm into a better rhythm you you um synchronize it so effectively you're adding intelligence or information to that electricity hmm. when you do this and so this is the key thing to understand about the, the in a in a one word answer if you would say what is chi in terms of the body you would say bioelectricity mm-hmm. yeah if you had one word but it's got information attached to it with information attached to it and yeah. i guess you know what is what kind of information well, the vital energy, <laughs> life energy, <laughs> yeah, that thing that kind of keeps you alive. And um, so this is when the Chinese, so this is how the Chinese Chinese medicine is incredibly sophisticated. People thought, you know, like my grandmother said, it was primitive. Um, it, it's actually like I've got my foot in both camps. It's so sophisticated, Chinese medicine. It streets ahead. Western medicine. Western medicine is the primitive one. Mm. Yeah, Western medicine is basically, it's got no philosophy of health. It's got no philosophy. It's got no, it, 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 there's only like one test in West, you know, it relies on all these tests. There's only one of them that can tell you whether a patient's alive or not. And that's the ECG. All of the other tests are useless. They can't actually tell you whether the patient's alive or dead. I mean, how, <laughs> if you think about it, I know, I know it sounds kind of a bit flippant and not important. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> but Chinese medicine is just much more like concerned about like how alive you are. So, how alive are we? That's an interesting question to consider. That's something as yogis we're all evaluating with our various practices. How alive are we? And many of us feel that yin and yang yoga practices are outstanding ways to optimize our chi flow, offering practical means for enhancing our aliveness. Now to help you better understand the corpus of Chinese medical thought, I cannot recommend enough that you get a copy of Daniel's book, Dr. Daniel Keon's book, The Unchartered Body. He self-publishes this book, so you can go to his website, which is drdankeown.com, drdankeown.com, and pick yourself up a copy. In the next episode, which is our third part of this conversation, we will discuss what acupuncture is best at treating and how to think about some of the placebo research being done on acupuncture and also what you might do to take more charge of your health and well-being. I look forward to sharing that episode with you in a few weeks. And for today, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you soon in the next episode.